Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. In a way, it's like the Regency Hotel trial in mm-hmm. that all of these kind of bizarre things keep happening in the middle of it like all of these unexpected developments all the time are we going to face something like this ourselves in terms of the Marengo trial are we going to have an Irish equivalent if some of the three Daniel Christie or Christie Jr. come back to Ireland I'm Nicola Tallent and you're listening to Crime World a podcast about criminals drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. The trial of Dutch murder suspect Ridwan Taghi gets underway in the Netherlands again this week as it moves into the final phase and as he asks the court to block all further reporting. Taghi is expected to request the remainder of the case be heard in camera after his lawyer Inez Wesky was arrested but released from custody. Today, I'm talking to Niall Donald about the Marathon case against the business partner of Daniel Kinahan, who was a boss of the European supercartel, and about the chaos created around it. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Um, look how much colour we're in. Yeah. We can see ourselves there on the screen for the first time ever. Yeah. This, sure this do you know sense. what they've done? What? They've hidden your runners. <laughs> I'm sure this is making a great audio experience for your podcast listeners. Yeah, well, they'll have to go onto YouTube yeah. to, to have a look at us. Oh, and I've, there's loads of stuff. You should see me, like what I have on me. Did you notice? <laughs> well, not really. <laughs> I'm never going to wear anything but a tracksuit into work from here on in because uh, we have the new panel. Oh, yeah, now. I know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Shorts all the way and everything. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. yeah. absolutely. Anything you want. Yeah. Wellington boots, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I'm off to Amsterdam. Yeah. So, when you go away, it tends to be the biggest crime stories break. So, let's see. But I'm actually working. So, it could be different. So, it's colors. different, yeah. yeah. It's not like a holiday. I'm actually working. Yes. And but something I've been meaning to do for a long, long time is attend this Marengo case. Yeah. Which is, of course, the... the Ridwin Taji. Yeah. Um, and 16 know. of his buddies. Yeah. 
It's gang members who are up on multiple, you know, they're facing multiple, I think there's six or seven gangland murders. Yeah. And it's on in this bunker in outside Amsterdam. Yeah. And it's actually been going so long. I think it's been going pre-COVID. Yeah. I mean, it's a very strange situation. I was actually over there last year visiting one of our sister papers as part of the Sunday World team. And like Amsterdam is such a beautiful city. Mm-hmm. Like it's it, it seems so wealthy, you know, very kind of European in the sense that it feels very settled and, and all of those things. But in the middle of that kind of culture, which is really relaxed and everybody's very seems very polite and all of those, maybe they're, stereotypes about about Europe and and the cities but in the middle of all that like the actual state has been undermined by the actions of the the Morocco mafia as they're called yeah. headed of ta- by of Taji and headed by by Ridwan Taji yeah. yeah I mean they are fighting a war not dissimilar to how the 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 paramilitaries in the north almost undermined this the yeah. the apparatus of the of the of the state there and it is kind of incredible, isn't it, in the middle of, of mm-hmm. a city like Amsterdam where they've not just contented themselves with, with killing rivals in the drugs business, but they've really killed solicitors, innocent witnesses, mm-hmm. you know, incredible. And a journalist, of course, Peter Lord's Vries P- on the street. Yeah. On the street. Shot dead and videoed as he died. Yeah. Um, yeah, Marengo has been going, I think it started just before COVID. Yeah. And what happened was because the 16 plus uh, taggy there, they yeah. have all their legal teams. Yeah. And then, you know, yourself in courtrooms, you'll have your senior counsel. You can have one or two of those plus their junior counsels plus their solicitors. Yeah. yeah. So you can have like each individual can have six, can have up to eight, you know, legal assistants with them. Yeah. And so it's a really full courtroom there's yeah. so many people in the dock that there's you multiply those numbers out you know I can't but yeah. a computer yeah. would be able to do that anyway well you can get the picture yeah. there are so many people that it became a nightmare and yeah. it's also this really high security uh, literally bunker yeah. like it's a bomb proof bunker where this trial has been held because yeah. the fears were always that Taggy that they would try and escape him yeah um you know when it opened that time, we're talking to our colleague Jan Mayas out in Amsterdam. He attended and he was totally taken back. He'd never seen anything like it. They talked about it being literally like, you know, literally a scene out of Narcos on yeah. Netflix. There was helicopters, there was snipers on the roof. There was literally military to get him in and out of that bunker. Yeah. Um, and the other, obviously, 16 suspects. So... COVID delayed it hugely and they would, they'd open and they'd hear bits of it when they had a window of opportunity when the, you know, there was, the restrictions were relaxed a bit. They, there's too many people to have it kind of on on video. Can you imagine? Yeah. Hundreds of lawyers all trying to follow it and get in. And so it's kind of gone on and on and on and on. And I'd always sort of planned to go, but it just was like something that was always there, if you know what I mean. And now I've realised that um, actually it's coming to its end. And in actual fact, it's probably possibly coming to an even tighter end on Monday. Because Taggy's lawyer, we'll go into a little bit of what's gone on, but um, he has no legal representation anymore. And because his own lawyer, who was a very high profile 
prosecutor, I mean, she's she looks like a. a I'm so a glad you said that. Yeah, no, I, well, I was going to say she looks like a goth from the, from the 1980s. That's uh, kind. Yeah. I, I think mean, it's quite scary, sinister. <laughs> well, Google her, anybody who wants to. Her name is Inez West. But she, she looks like a, she looks like a cure head. If you remember the cure heads, she does. Yeah, no, she's definitely unusual. Some of the kind of more recent pictures of her aren't as yeah, but she's yeah. very heavy black black eye makeup on very white porcelain skin yeah. and very black hair. Yeah, a woman probably in her fifties anyway, if not I think in her even 60s, a bit older. Yeah, she, yeah, I think she is a bit older. So she has been his legal representative and. Other members of his legal team have basically been arrested. One of them, actually a cousin of his, yeah. is in jail because he was passing information. Um, you know, Taggy has remained a danger behind bars, arguably even more dangerous. And messages were getting out as regards the carrying out of his wishes. And it was discovered that it was a cousin of his who was one of his lawyers. Yeah, he was he was a, a qualified solicitor. Yeah. Um, but there was... Uh, investigation into notes being passed on, um, the, so it's it, in 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 a way it's like the Regency Hotel trial in mm. that all of these kind of bizarre things keep happening in yeah. the middle of it, like all of these unexpected developments all the time, uh, including the, obviously the two lawyers representing Taji being arrested. Then he wanted to represent himself. I think there is somebody. That's come, where he's at at the moment. Well, I think there is somebody come on record now. Is there that? Possibly. That, yeah. Yeah. In recent times, that is that is going to represent him, I think. Wesky is has just been released. She was arrested in April on suspicion of leaking information to her client. Right. Yeah. To, to, to Taggy. Now, she's been released from custody and she's denying any yeah. of this. She has like a very lengthy, you know, decorated career. Yeah. And um, nothing like this has ever no. happened before. Um, as I say, she's denying all those. In actual fact, she gave a statement um, saying that she has not given a statement to the police during questioning because she's bound by the legal system's confidentiality agreement, nor will she do so in the future. So in other words, when she was arrested and questioned, she couldn't speak to them because of the confidentiality yeah. she holds with her client. Yeah. So it's a bit of a complex situation for everybody. I mean, the, re the reason, of course, that, that, that these things are happening is because despite being in whatever the Dutch equivalent of a maximum security prison under really, really heavy conditions that murders kept occurring. Mm -hmm. um, people were getting beaten up, getting attacked uh, while he was in custody. And certainly in, in Peter de Vries' case, Peter de Vries was, you know, the most prominent crime journalist in, 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 in the Netherlands. He had his own TV program as well, as well as writing. You know, he was a celebrity beyond... Mm -hmm. the level normal journalists get to. And he had represented, um, he had been giving advice to, a, a, I suppose, a, a protective witness a, along the lines of a Jonathan Dowdle type mm. of character. And he got shot dead on the street. Um, a number of people have been charged and they're all being linked to, to Taji. And um, so this all occurred when, when he was supposedly under the very heaviest of 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 restrictions while yeah. in the prison system and there was many so other things called vught which is the they're like equivalent to port leash yeah so 
I mean, and I think he's like under 23 hour lock, lockdown and no visitors now and maybe a phone call. He's complaining, of course, about his human rights and yeah. about having to wear yeah, he's bringing a, a core challenge against having to be wear handcuffs when he's moved between places. So sounds a bit like some of our own who've taken yeah, challenges so this, against their yeah, custody. This is what happens with these guys, you know. They mm. become um, they become they can become uh, nuisances as well. Like Taji, of course, has done interviews before, hasn't he? And he's he's engaged with the media in that way. But I mean, like if you look at Ireland, like obviously Veronica Guerin occurred but generally she was shot dead very tragically mm. by by as everybody knows but attacks on on solicitors on judges on the fam absolutely the families of witnesses i mean they're all quite uncommon but all of those have been happening in holland yeah. in recent times he's um, pushed the boundaries beyond i mean he is suspected obviously of being behind them there's no convictions or charges brought in relation to any of those three murders you no. mentioned, but um, he has certainly pushed the boundaries. There's new lines yeah. been drawn in the sand with all this sort of stuff. I mean, look, the uh, Prime Minister has been under 24-hour security. Members of the royal family yeah. are under security. I was reading that one of them, who's maybe in her 20s, can't go to college because of him. Yeah. I mean, it is, the royal family. Like, I mean, it is really threatening the very stability of the state. It is, and this is the kingdom, is, isn't that what they call it? The kingdom of the Netherlands. Yeah, I mean, it, this is this shows you the. See, this is the real problem with organised cr- criminality in a, in a in a society that if it's allowed to get mm-hmm. out of control, that it can really attack the foundations, and obviously, then it has broader impacts than you know. People always say, you know, two gangs fight it out with each other, let them shoot each other or whatever. But if if the if they're allowed to develop that level of wealth and influence, then mm. it has a corrupting effect on society as a whole. So what's happening on Monday is he is apparently um, going to appear and he's going to ask the judge to put the case into in camera, which would mean that we can't report on it. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure in the Netherlands what that means, whether or not media can actually attend yeah. and just not report here. You can attend some in-camera yeah. hearings and um, not report on them. But um, that's what he's going to do. And it's actually come to its end anyway, the case. You know, right. it's, it's it's down to closing speeches. Um, so it's whether or not he represents himself or that he has indeed secured another um legal team yeah all of that will be kind of fleshed out but he is going to ask for it to go in camera and the court will then decide on its you know make its decision on that whether it will or not yeah but it's an opportunity I suppose to I mean I can't speak Dutch anyway so no. you know I'll, I'll be relying on some of our colleagues to translate for Which me they all speak perfect English I know it's so I mean, embarrassing it's so, yeah it is embarrassing for us as a nation it's so embarrassing I mean they all speak English yeah. without hesitation I know I know and the same in the with the Belgians yeah like, yeah Unbelievable. Um, But uh, so it's more for me, I think, just to see him and to get a sense of what that court is like, you know, what it's like to attend it, what it's like as a journalist, because I've often said to our colleagues there as well, I mean, it must be pretty traumatic to to attend that, to see that, to be covering this sort of stuff. Over yeah. there, with all that's gone on, I mean, there's a lot of our colleagues, even who are under 24 hour protection. Yeah, what I a mean, way to live! Horrendous. When we visited the 
the Telegraph as it's yeah. in, in, in Amsterdam, which would be kind of somewhere between, um, you know, something like the, the Irish Independent kind yeah. of, of, the, of that scale. The Irish Times, I mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it would be more a more populist paper, you know, and um, they'd obviously come under attack a few times from people associated with these gangs. Um, somebody had driven a... a a bomb through that the front door. That was suspected door. to be taggy. That as was well. suspected to be taggy, and the the level of security there is just really, really intense. Yeah. And they've spoken about the the threats against journalists, which are really, really yeah. serious. And people are getting twenty four hour armed protection, um, armed police officers in the newsroom. Um, I mean, what a way to live and to work, and you know for people, whatever, about the journalists themselves are probably able to cope with it, but the families and everything, I mean, it's, yeah. it's very... I mean, it's very, very serious. And I mean, it's ju- it just shows you that, I mean, they have they, they, they have certain journalists when they're in the building, they'll have armed police yeah. with them at all times. Um, mm-hmm. Because like in, in, in Mexico, actually, in particular, where they've really, some of the drug gangs there, some of the drug cartels really targeted journalists mm-hmm. uh, because... Although some of these guys, as we all know, and we, we would never really deny it, some of them do like being in the paper some of the time. Yeah. But really, the more light that gets thrown on these operations, the more police attention it brings, the more political attention it brings, the more demands it, it brings to shut it down. And so in 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 the Netherlands, they've really attacked mm-hmm. the, the journalism as well, you know, really mm-hmm. quite scary. And I mean... I think everything about this is something that we should be looking at as a country. Yeah. Big time. I yeah. think we should be taking everything that has happened in the Netherlands very seriously. Yeah. I think the judiciary should be looking at it. Yeah. So I've got a list of rules of accreditation to go along, yeah. obviously, and all the rest of it. And um, But I have a list of sort of rules, guidelines, maybe they call them in the Netherlands rather than yeah. rules. But... Um, they include not identifying the lawyers, yeah. not identifying the judges, yeah. not using photographs of them. The cartoonists or the, the cart, course sketch artists yeah. are asked not to draw them. Yeah. Um, they're under, obviously, intense threats as well. Threats yeah. as well and protection. And I just think it could happen here in the blink of an eye. I mean, this is a guy... Ridwin Taggy, that Daniel Kinahan went into business with in his European super cartel. Um, the Italian Raphael Imperiali yeah. is uh, looking like a lot of a, a much nicer guy altogether at the moment. <laughs> he's yeah. actually going sort of touting yeah. uh, and he's going to bring them all down, I believe, with his evidence and what he has to say. But uh, I mean, Taggy isn't a once off. Like, I mean, he is a street dealer who yeah. became a billionaire because of cocaine. Yeah. And is somebody clearly with a completely skewed sense of morality. Um, we will conclude he's a narcissist. Yeah. Plus, he has no empathy. No. For anybody. No. He lives by instilling fear into everybody. Apparently, what's really stark in the bunker is that... Every day the court sits, there is seats that are left available for families of the victims. Yeah. And they're empty. Yeah. Not a single person related to any of those victims can is, a, is actually feeling 
courageous enough to come in and sit there. Yeah, I mean, I think you look in, in, in the Netherlands, it's obviously traditionally a very, very liberal country and very wealthy country, and you could see how this could undermine things. And um, If you look in Italy, Italy went through this really, really heavily, particularly during the, the 80s and the mm. 90s, and the state did fight back against the mafia um, and, and other equivalent groups in Italy. And there was casualties within the criminal justice there system. There was, there was judges killed, there yeah. was many things, but to to an extent Italy got a, a degree of a hold on it where mm. some of that was was fought against and it maybe is not where it was in Italy now, although mm. the, the tentacles of organised crime into ordinary society are at least under threat and under attack, particularly in places like Sicily where they mm-hmm. effectively ran it. So you see that with Raffaele Imperiale in Italy, you see with the, the Kinnahans who certainly tried to move into sporting organisations and various other parts in Ireland, but maybe didn't get a hold in society as strongly, though they definitely did mm. in other ways. Um, Eden Gassinen, who's sort of the other uh, major the figure fourth, in the yeah. super cartel. Fourth boss. Like, it's obviously more complicated. He's based in, in Bosnia for the most part, but and I read the stories that's come out in Bosnia about it and the level of corruption there that's suggested in these stories about ex-military people, politicians, mm. all, um, you know, hired basically by Gassanen, um you know, we don't know much about it beyond what we read, but there's been stories about them uh, paying off politicians, uh, paying off the military, getting the police to give them protection when they're in the country. Him, sorry, Eden Gassanen and his brother. Mm. So it can happen in any country. Mm. And if there is enough money, there is the potential if, this, if the state doesn't uh, recognise that this is something that, that they have to stop and have to fight at, at, at the root. And you see, of course... Taggy was brought home to his own country to be tried and um, in a way his power base wasn't dismantled before he was put on trial. Yeah. And he had a very, uh, certainly he appears to have, because he's again suspected in these murders, there's no conviction, but he appears to have had a very willing army out on the streets in the Netherlands, in Utrecht and in Amsterdam and... I mean, it's a slightly different case if Kinnahan was brought home here to Ireland because it's kind of gone the other way around here. In yeah. in in a way, the power base has been dismantled. A lot of the the sort of the Kinnahan cronies are behind bars themselves at the moment, and they are seen as a weakened force. Yeah, that's not to say they aren't attempting to partner up with somebody here. Yeah, to continue yeah. to try and run things for them if they know they're kind of they're sanctioned they're coming to their end um but i think everything that's happened there could happen here it could happen and you know we've seen that it you know arguably almost did i mean the the Kinnan cartel got to the point in, in sort of in the middle of the last decade where they got s- so big and so stretched out across across Europe that the, it was almost impossible for the Guardi alone to dismantle them. Yeah. It was only after they kind of reached out and took innovative steps in fairness, and mm. including bringing in the Americans to really target the roots of that, that, that it has had an impact, you know. Um, and we've also seen then that legislative changes that, that have been on the books for a long time mostly unused, mm. such as the anti-gangland legislation. The use of that came in, it, it 
started being used and being used very, very effectively. So this, so the, the operate policing always has to change and adapt to the circumstances and that has to be brought. They have to bring politicians along to make that happen. Um, and some of the things worked in our favor, but it has to be, uh, it, it could happen to any country and it has happened mm. to many, many countries, rich, developed countries with, with stable, systems of government and it's to a degree happening in Belgium as well I think at the oh, moment I think so um, I'm going to go to Belgium too yeah I'm going to um, go and try and sort of come to a little bit of understanding exactly what's happening in yeah. Belgium in Antwerp and Brussels and it's Belgium seems to be very divided politically yeah because there's the two of course languages there's the two the, the, the Flanders yeah, and the, two the Flemish and the ethnic, ethnic groups two and ethnic groups yeah, yeah there's you know, let's avoid geopolitics because exactly. it could well we get around. I don't know enough about it to say any more but than I, that, I, but I, I know that much. And I know that there's certainly political problems because of the two interest groups um, there in that country. And of course, Belgium is the crossroads of Europe. Yeah, it's become, it's the ports, I think, in, 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 in Holland and in Belgium. Rotterdam and Antwerp yeah. are the two, so, I mean, the two main entry points of cocaine into Europe. Yes. Um, Brussels, Belgium is seen as the crossroads of Europe. Every piece of transport has to go through it at some yeah, point. Yeah. It's sort of like um, they were never able, even, you know, when there was beginning of COVID times, they weren't able to cro close their borders because no. transport had to continue. Like, yeah, know, so all those all those legitimate networks are there. Mm. So they have all the logistical companies, all the, yeah. the companies delivering everything, every possible goods around Europe, all radiating out from that place. And you, you can see why it would be such a great location in mm. that way. So you, you see it even beyond the super cartel, you know, all those other, those drugs are ending up there. Sometimes they're, mm. they're rather than coming directly from South America, they're coming to places like Africa and then being brought there, brought to those places to be distributed then across Europe, you know. Mm. So what are you going to do? What do you mean? Well, just, uh, you know, tears. You can ring me. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so nice. <laughs> through your, do I have to contact you through your agent or anything yeah. like that? No? Yep. Yeah. But I will come on the phone and yeah. stuff like that to you. Yeah. I can just get, your, right. get through to your PR person. No, I will. I'll do a Zoom maybe with you. Oh. Thank on, you very on, much. On. Yeah. On the whole thing and how I'm... No, no, yeah, definitely. It's really, on. no, it is really interesting, yeah. you know, just you see the, the scale of it because are we going to face something like this ourselves in mm. terms of the Marengo trial? Are we going to have an Irish equivalent if if some some of the three, Daniel Christie or Christie Jr. come back to Ireland? We're going to face an unprecedented trial, I think. I think so too. I mean... Yeah. I was just thinking about that, yeah. actually. And yeah. do you know what I was thinking about, what? like, was... So, you know, going back to our Regency trial and the idea of people floating in and out and wandering yeah. in and out, and I know the other two suspects weren't in custody, yeah. but that really was so strange for that kind of a trial and, you know, the, the security risks that were in place. And we did have huge security during that trial, of course. Yeah. You know, we got used to it in a way at yeah. the court, but there was armed support in every single day. There was. I mean, um, it was... There was it, no risks. No, there wasn't. I mean, there was... It was it was highly policed, but yeah. I think it would be a, another step up again if if the Kinnan, any of those Kinnan family were to be I go think, on trial. I think, so. I think it yeah. would be another step up. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, we've had obviously high profile trials in the past. You would have been at the John Gilligan trial, I think, yeah. which was the big that was the trial f- at the time. Um, they were the first, I think, from memory gangland suspects to be brought before the special criminal court. And there was always big trials around the subversives as well at times, you know. But you know, back in there then, which was would have been 19... So Veronica Gilmer was killed in 96. Something, so yeah. those trials were kind of 98, 99 90s, maybe. Yeah. Um, it was in Green Street. Yeah. In an old building. Yeah. And... Uh, Remember Yeah. Because yeah. the courts, the other courts, the criminal courts were down, which is now where the high court now yeah, is. Yeah, the, the four courts building, yeah. The four courts building. And those four courts in that yeah. central area were where the main kind of murder trials went yeah. on. And you had people sort of milling about there and, yeah. you know... Um, it was, it you know, when you look back, it feels so dated now to think yeah. of that because the new court building is obviously just so yeah. purpose-built and beautiful. But so Green Street was, you know, totally unfit for purpose. It was, because really, like, it's right in the middle of a residential like area with loads of streets around it, like, you know, winding around it. Yeah. There was a lot of development happening at yeah. the time. I think I told yeah. you before that there was a um, Russell Warren or Charlie Bowden, the two sort of super grasses were being brought in and out under huge armed support units were, were with them from the prison to come up to give evidence every day and huge and and anyway one particular day a photographer had managed to get a photograph of one of them yeah and it was used I think the face was blurred because we were legally mm. you know we couldn't uh, show the face but nonetheless the uh, guardy realised that a photographer had managed yeah. to get a photograph of yeah. this guy's face. This yeah. guy was like, you know, under huge threat of yeah. life. And it turned out that there was a building, you know, under construction. Yeah. And this very uh, enterprising photographer had decided that they'd go in and up the stairs. Yeah. And sure enough, that's where he got a clear shot of yeah. the supergrass. Because you just always do that in the Bridewell as well. Did Particularly he? on Saturday when people are charged for, say, a murder or whatever, people be brought in on Saturday and you see people go up to the flat complex next door and shoot in the photographers. Ah, right. So, yeah, but it's different in the in the new building. It's in the, I mean, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the CCJ building, you know, it's much more ordered, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, it'll be interesting to see it and to see the parallels are there. Mm between the, the rise of the Morocco Mafia and our own. Obviously, they work together, but just to, to, to see the, the, that expansion and that massive yeah. scaling up over a relatively short period of time. Yeah. Um, was there anything going on with Liam Byrne this week? Well, I mean, this is, this is uh, there hasn't been much developments, um, but I suppose the, <clears throat> the extradition proceedings will probably take another few months, particularly if they resist it. Um, and the proceeds of crime case, of course, will be coming, uh, coming in fast and furious with them. Yeah, I mean, we had, um, we, we will have, I mean, that'll also be another major, major trial. Um, you wrote about the proceeds of crime, obviously, that... Yeah. that his be- second proceeds of crime investigation yeah. is about to get underway. He already lost his house to the Criminal Assets Bureau down in Raleigh Square. And I think million euro worth of cars that were taken yeah. out of LS active cars, his his business, which he was running with Sean McGovern, uh, jewellery, all sorts of stuff. And I think he ended up not contesting the case. He did No, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't contest it ultimately. he didn't get free legal aid. Didn't, yeah, so basically... Maybe he uh, didn't go for free legal aid, but a group of them did. They didn't get it. And when they didn't get it, they kind of basically did a deal and, and uh, gave and up the it over. And it over. So, I mean, the the the... the 
proceeds of crime case in the UK, I mean, they'll primarily focus, I suppose, on what's in in the UK itself. I don't know if they have the powers to look in Spain, which... I think they do, yeah. Do there's, they? Um, you know, there's certainly... He has to list, he will have to list all his assets and anything he doesn't list, he can get, you know, if he gets tried, yeah. whatever, for, you know, on these these uh, gun charges, which the EncroChat information um, seems to have him on. That's what they're, yeah. they got the warrant on. Um, he could plead guilty there. He could plead not guilty and there'd be a trial. You know, at the end of that trial, he'll either be found not guilty or guilty. If he's found guilty, an immediate proceeds of crime case starts and whatever sentence he gets will be increased if he doesn't settle or pay up or hand over or they can take as well. Um, like his role, obviously, he's been acting as a kind of a, a debt collector as well. Mm. And that seems to, you were writing that, that seems to have, he seems to have moved into the property business yeah, in I mean, the UK. Certainly there is suspicion that he has hooked up with a, developer yeah. in the Liverpool area. Um, and he certainly would have been indicating to people that he was investing heavily yeah. in properties, yeah. sort of residential and business properties. And he has told people in the past that he owns um, pubs on the island of Ibiza. Yeah. Um, he's suspected of having property in Mallorca. Yeah. Uh, he could go, like, I mean, it's it's extraordinary to get hit again. Yeah. It's so few years later, like it was 2016, the March of 2016, when they burst through the door. I think actually they had to take a um, a saw to the yeah. door of his house in Rally Square to remove it. It was a bullet resistant door um, and they had to hack it off to go in and to start searching that house. So, yeah, I mean, Look, he certainly accumulated a lot of wealth or, or looked to have yeah. shown off a lot of wealth over his time. So whatever is actually his now is going to be identified. Yeah. Um, what about Conor McGregor? Well, I mean, uh, Conor McGregor, yeah, we had obviously, we had a story last weekend, the Sunday World, about um, Conor McGregor hanging out with one of Liam Burns' best childhood pals, uh, Graham the Week Whelan. Um and, you know, how that side of his life, he was going drinking in high glamour situations at the Katie Taylor flight with Graham Whelan, who's very close to assist one of his sisters. So we had that story and that's one side of Conor McGregor's life. And then we had, he was on, um, he was on a, a TV program, a kind of a, a reality show for UFC fighters. I haven't watched it myself, but, and he was announcing, uh, that his partner, D Devlin is pregnant again. Mm, so that, and so mm. he was, and you know, he was on that and he was, there was another, little thing of him buying a doll of himself with a big roll of cash. So that's one side of Conor McGregor's life. But the other side, of course, hit this week when um, he was accused of um, a sex attack uh, by a woman. Um, there was, I don't know if you saw during the week where um, Conor McGregor was at a, a, a basketball match, in, uh, NBC, uh, a basketball match, uh, Miami Heat, did you see it though, where he came no. up to? So, you know, he, he was on, he went on, he was, he was introduced to the crowd and the mascot was there and he punched the mascot. Did you see it? No. I didn't see that. Why did he do that? Well, I think it was a bit of a joke, but he often, <laughs> so 
he punched him and then the mascot fell to the ground then he punched him again on the ground that's hilarious so well I mean but obviously the mascot ended up in hospital and all did you see this <laughs> no any of that so you funny. don't you don't well it's not no it's not funny I suppose but if you if you if you, you know I watched it and laughed nonetheless you so know back to the, the Texas attack he's accused well of. that was this is the same night ah. that that thing that 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 mascot was attacked Right. Um, which was huge news across the world. What was the, the mascot dressed as? He was dressed as, uh, I thought, I'm not sure if it was some sort of a uh, duck or something like that. So, but that same night, um, which that made obviously news across the world. I think it was on, it was on every single American TV okay. channel, uh, him punching the mascot. Um, yeah. But at that night, um, he is accused by a woman um, who says that she was suffered a sex attack in that night and um, he has come out really really strongly and denied it and um, sometimes in the past when conor mcgregor has been uh, accused of stuff he won't release statements but he's come out really really strongly in this occasion said um that it he'll be vindicated that it didn't happen mm-hmm. and that he has accused her of a shakedown really looking for money she has said that she went to the police, but that didn't work out for one reason or another, and that she ultimately went to a solicitor or a lawyer, as they call it over there. Yeah, what is it? It's a sort of a duck, a ducky type thing. <laughs> um, but so it was, it was that. So she has uh, With boxing uh, gloves on. Boxing gloves mm, on. I'm not sure it's a duck. I think it's supposed to be a boxer, is it? I don't think that's a duck. It's got no. <laughs> it's got no. Uh, Duck thing. What do you call it? Quack. No, it's um, gonna, well, maybe. It, it, what's the thing? Uh, duck bill. Bill. I don't That's know. Not a oh, no, we're going to clarify that by the end of it. Yeah. Um, no, it's a thing. It's a. It's a. It's an orange. It's a boxer thing with an orange hat on it. And box, boxing gloves. Yeah. Can you not just can Google not just tell us tell us what that is. Well, it's Miami Heat uh, mascot. Okay, right. Go on. I'll try. Okay, I'm, I have to get to the bottom of this. Um, so using all my investigative skills here. So obviously, the woman who's made the allegation has gone to a solicitor, um, and that or a lawyer, and that that has then become public. Um, the the he's filed a case, and think when he files a case, the the affidavit or the what the equivalent is in the US. Um, has been picked up by media organizations over there, particularly TMZ, which really focus on a lot of Conor McGregor stories. And um, he's now the TMZ have, have published a video of Conor McGregor and the woman in question um, meeting on the night. And he's put out a second statement, which is quite unlike him, mm-hmm. um, really just denying things strongly. So we're not, I think, going to go into the, 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 you know, the details of the allegation. Um, but, Obviously, Conor McGregor, you know, has been before the courts. He's currently before the courts in Ireland on very sort of relatively minor driving charge. In fairness to him, he's been for, before the courts again in 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 Ireland for assaults in pubs. Um, he's you know, so these are the things that are following him around. Um, but he's huge, huge news across the world. There's just no doubt. Now and then doesn't he? Now, th- sorry, one of the things. That comes up when you say Miami Heat mascot. One of the most Googled things about it is what is Miami <laughs> have Heat mascot to, have supposed to be? What is it? Well, it doesn't say. It's called Bernie. Now, it looks more ducky from the front. 
Yeah. So what would you call that? Well, I would say it's a, it's a, I'm going to find it out, Nicola. Now I'll do, I will do, I'll just do it better than, I'm just better at this I've just Googled that and it doesn't, oh wait now. Bernie. Yeah. Is the mascot of the Miami Heat, the NBA basketball team. Bernie is a rough anthro anthropomorphic depiction. Ah, very good. Of the fireball featured yeah. on the team's logo. So what does you, that mean? Can you explain? No, you say that word again. Anthropomorphic. And so it basically means it's anthro anthropomorphic. No, there's no pro. It's anthropomorphic. Yeah, but it means the kind of the uh, anthropomorphic. It's the personalization of 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 a uh, of a. Did you Google that? No, I didn't know. It's where you know um, where they turn. You know, uh, they use it in in Disney Disney cartoons where they turn uh, an animal into a kind of have human like qualities. But it's not an animal. No, but it's 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 where you're turning a fireball into a creature with human like qualities. That looks like a duck. That looks like a. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I know I haven't explained that right, but no. it's basically giving giving things that don't have qualities human like qualities. It, really, and uh, you know, have a look at it and then just work it out for themselves. Because anyway, that really wasn't the point of it, all that you no, were discussing no, there, which was quite. quite you, <laughs> it was quite serious. Did you notice I was going in one ear and out the other ear while I was frantically I did, looking I did to see what the mascot the was? Attention. Deficit. I know, I know, so it's you, bad. The so if you asked me questions about what you just spoke about, I'd, I'd say to you, I'll come back to you. I'll just have a listen yeah. to well, the look, recording first. Look, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, this is, this is something that, that we're going to hear more about in, in, mm -hmm. in, in, in the near future anyway, you know? Yeah. A lot of things seem to happen for him and then they all seem to die down as well. Some of them do, yeah. you know, yeah. he's so high profile though. I've said it before. He's so, so famous. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing how, how famous he is. You know, we, what he's doing. no, you don't No, but it, it's a, he is an amazingly famous person. He's up there in the top 10 in the world or mm. whatever. Mm. I don't know how you would quantify that, but he is in a, so everything that he does becomes news. This is obviously a very serious allegation and should be treated as such, but he's denied it really, really strongly. Okay. So that's. That's it. So I'm allowed. I've, no, I've enough now. Yeah. Enough stuff in my brain for this week. I think. Um, <laughs> no, you're allowed to ring me. I'm allowed to ring you. Yeah. Yeah, but not like harass me. <laughs> well, I'm not like by law. I'm not allowed to harass you, Nicola. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, so you're allowed. I'd say ring. And if I don't pick up... And am I allowed to make like personal... Like am I allowed to have a personal conversation when I ring you or no? Well, no, you can, yeah. If, yeah. if there's something... No, not too much fee heavy feelings. If just you need, if you need some advice on on what fashion, <laughs> or you know the usual things I give you advice on. The things, I, the things I constantly <laughs> ignore. Did you get a new shirt? I did get a new shirt. Yeah, I was yeah. in H and M during the week. Oh, and what happened there? No, no, nothing much. No, really. You going to tell us? Or do I have to tell it? No, I, I tell it because it's it's yeah. it's a soul incident. Poor Nile. I just always. <laughs> Bring up something that you do, you but don't want me to bring up. Don't no, I? well, I'm just. Um, and I always get in there first too. So look, I was in H and M, mm -hmm. you know, which you know, buying myself a T-shirt before collecting my son from school, and to buy yourself a new pair of runners. I, well, I may, I may do it. Um, and a man, a very polite and nice man, stopped me. I was wearing my headphones, and he said, "Can I get a selfie?" 
Now, see, these things probably happen to you regularly, Nicola, <laughs> don't they? Like, I know walk down the street, you people shout at you and stuff like that. Oh, Nicola! Yeah. So, so this is the first time it happened to me. And I yeah. said, absolutely. So you had to stand there in the middle yeah. of the supermarket. Yeah, so I'm now, I think I'm the shop. H&M, yeah. So yeah. pity I wasn't in B2 or whatever. But And... Did you go? Vi- we haven't seen this. Haven't got no, no, no. I haven't gone viral. I mean, I'm no. just just saying that's that's one. I wonder, selfie are now. you that guy's like you know? No, no. He said it's my brother is always sending me the, the YouTube, and I'm just going to send it to my brother for the laugh. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So that well, was it's kind of funny. I mean, that'd be something like I do. Well, it wasn't funny. I'm sure it was very serious. I'm sure it was very serious. <laughs> that's my sort of fan, your fan yeah. yeah, that's my fan base. One, one selfie. Anybody Thanks. who has selfies with Niall, send them in because I'm going to collect <laughs> a collage of them. Look, I could actually put them up along the yeah. the wall here. Look, bu- dancing with the stars, here I come. To busy things up. I mean, could we be brighter and more colourful? I love it. Look how colourful we are. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> again, again, it doesn't work as well on the uh, Spotify or <laughs> Apple. <laughs> okay, well, look, enough of this nonsense. Yeah. I'll be in touch and... Um, We'll have something of interest to talk about next week, at least. And and any embarrassing things I tell you in private, they'll also be brought up. Exactly, exactly. All right. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take the Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume the Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume the Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.